Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas in the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. I am joined by Armani Buckets and Adrian Hernandez. Adrian, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. Halfway through the week, the dog days of summer are here, and we're just chugging along, my friend. Armani, how are you doing, bro? Um, we mentioned the word summer. It is not summer where I live. It oh is Southern California. I swear to God, every day that you wake up is 75 and cloudy. I just want one day where I can go to the beach and relax. It feels like this is the weirdest summer ever. So, I mean, I hope the sun comes out before before the end of August. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Buckets, Mr. Buckets, I need you to know one thing. Um, this show that we do exists outside of each and every one of our studios that we're recording this from. <laughs> and I need you to know that in the small section of where you live at, it may be 75 and cloudy. The rest of the world is on fire. <laughs> the average temperature of the world of this country has been like 118. Uh, I live in Las Like The places are on fire, literally. So you need to be like happy that you're experiencing the 75 and cloudy while it's 119 degrees oh. outside. Yeah. My power was out before we recorded for two hours in my block. And this is the first time it's happened this summer. Like it's it's a thing that happens frequently because we shouldn't really be living here. It's it's, it's on the verge of not being a livable planet. Not to bring the show down <laughs> to like a, a bad thought, but I'm just saying. I uh, I apologize. Yes, I'll take 75 and cloudy. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. I mean, you know, 120 degrees, 115, whatever it was in uh, Vegas while I was out there. Again, I'm back in Southern California for a couple of days before I head back out to Vegas for the Spence Crawford fight. So, yeah, listen, I will gladly not complain about 75 degrees and uh, cloudy. That's totally fine. Um, I do want to get into something larger scope, larger scope, because uh, in the NBA on Tuesday, the Boston Celtics, and again, not a shock here, but the Boston Celtics signed Jalen Brown to a five-year, 304 million dollar supermax deal and it was the richest deal in league history again jalen brown is a very good player but it just sounds crazy when you kind of read that sentence boston celtics jalen brown has agreed to the richest contract in nba history so so armani buckets this was a deal that the celtics i guess had to uh, make i mean you uh, when 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 you have these contracts in place like a supermax deal, he falls in line with that. However, I, I don't know where you have Jalen Brown in your top 10, 15, 20, 25. The fact that he's the highest paid player in league history just doesn't feel right to me. You started it by saying this was a deal the Celtics had to make. And I agree, they do have to make that deal. The issue is, when is somebody going to say, you know what, do we have to make this deal? Why not five years, $205 million? Why? I, I know why, because the player is going to get disgruntled, and you don't want a disgruntled star player, because then you're liable for them asking for a trade. 
But yeah. at some point, it feels like an organization has to tell one of these guys, hey, we love you. We appreciate you. We think you're awesome. But a super max to that caliber should only be for the top five to seven players in the world, in my opinion. And now, if you're Boston with the second apron in the new CBA, it's going to be so hard for them to have a good supporting cast. Jason Tatum is about to make $338 million. So once you pay those two, it's going to be us three as the rest of the starting five. And honestly... <laughs> I mean, the fact that those two guys, and again, they have, you know, they, they led them to the finals but lost. They've led them to multiple now conference finals and have lost. Um, the fact that combined, they're going to make close to $650 million is just crazy to me. Again, if it's they've. The new world. I know, but it's just, I, I, it, and I think it's also one of those things, and I think the Celtics fans. And again, they, they have not won as much as the Lakers. I will put that out there. They've won one championship <laughs> since 1986. Uh, they, they, they did beat up on the Lakers to win that title. But um, when you haven't won, and again, they have a great tandem. They have a very good team. But when you have not won and you're saying, this is our franchise duo, we're going to pay them $650 million, you'd like to have a ring, right? You'd like to have a championship to show for it. But don't don't let the money like the money's blindsiding you guys. We ain't even we haven't even discussed Mbappe and that whole billion dollar deal that he's doing. Well, that's like, soccer. Soccer's yeah. crazy though, bro. Right? Like, but it, it is. Yeah, but it's coming. It's coming to everyone. That's right. Sport. Real quick, and I want you to to talk about this. Of all the sports that the Saudis are getting involved in, the NBA would be. I think the quickest to take it over. Why? Because it's a five on five league. They really took over golf. They're really trying to take over soccer. Soccer is 11 on 11. Again, to put together a super team. These guys really could if they wanted to. I mean, Mbappe, a billion dollars, not during the totality of a contract. If I'm reading this right, it's a billion dollars for a season. Is that correct? It's something like that. It's seven hundred seventy million total. Jeez. Um, it's about it's a couple thousand per second if you break it down. I think front office sports had the tweet, but you know, look, I understand the the scrutiny over Jalen Brown getting this money, and when you add it up with Jason Tatum and what they're going to get, like it's massive. I just think this is a new world, and in theory, any organization in the NBA, like. Let me back up really quick. Jalen Brown specifically, 27 years old, six foot seven, homegrown wing, has never gotten hurt, has made second uh, second team All NBA, has helped lead the team to the finals. He still can't dribble with one of his hands, and that's mm-hmm. a problem. So I don't want to make him out to be like he's this megastar, but I'm saying in theory, you reward your homegrown talent that has led you through. And out of that core tandem, you're not giving Al Horford's old ass this money. Marcus Smart was a trade piece, and he's gone. So you're left with Tatum and Jalen, and you're putting your, for better or worse, you're saying you guys are going to lead the way. And it's just the way that it is structured. Jalen Brown was able, because of all that history and being homegrown and and the years and and the way the CBA is, he's going to get that 30% max slot. Tatum's going to get that 35. It's not going to change much in terms of, well, now they can't bring in a third piece. Like, structurally, this is how the league is set up with these pieces of if you're good enough, you can get them. And 
the numbers just look monster like it's a monstrosity. But listen, man, Dylan Brooks signed for eighty million dollars because Houston needed to use the money. So like all these deals, it's in the NFL. We do this all the time. Jalen Brown is now the highest paid player in NBA in the NBA, right, of all time. That record's going to change next offseason about 15 different times. That's the way this goes. Someone sets the new benchmark for whatever position, for whatever whatever sport they play, and the next deal then surpasses it because that's the game that agents play. When Armand's saying, why couldn't he just sign for a couple, a little, uh, a little bit less? Like, no, that's not. The negotiating power is too strong on both ends for people to just go all the way back like that. And it's just... This is the new era. And again, wait till the Saudis get involved and that money starts getting influxed when uh, a, a Chetty Osman is going to sign a four year, $330 million deal. And people are going to be like, what the hell's going on? Uh, Gallinari and stuff like that. Like, that's where this is heading. So the numbers look massive and they're only going to get bigger. And I never, I never hate on a black man getting paid. So I got no problem with it. Best of luck, Boston. So here's that contract just to give you the, you know, again, according to front office sports, Saudi Arabian club, Al Halal has made a world record offer to acquire 24 year old star from uh, Paris Saint Germain. Further, so, so the entire package, by the way, would be $1.1 billion for one uh, year. $332 million would be the transfer fee to PSG. So, again, that does not go to Mbappe. $776 million would be the salary. $776 million for one season. Again, the total package would be $1.1 billion. By the way, LeBron James' tweet following that um, – I'm sure you guys saw that, but basically he had that uh, meme or a gif of Forrest Gump running. And basically, like, if the Saudis wanted to pay him a similar contract for one year, he would gladly take it. But by, by the way, that uh, total is obviously more than LeBron's made during the entire totality of his Hall of Fame career. So, Armani Buckets, how likely is it that uh, we, we kind of see something in the NBA? Um, in terms of, you know, you're, are you referring to the Saudis? I think, yeah, just like, you know, if, if if they wanted to start, and again, I don't know how this would be. Would it be their own league? Would it be a competitor? But, I mean, if you're in the position of offering players that much for one season, that's, I mean, that's crazy. I mean, when I, when I say that's crazy, it's like you are probably going to attract the best players in the world. Yeah, I don't think we are close as in like the immediate, immediate future, but I do think it's something that will happen. And I'm really scared about it, to be honest with you, because, you know, if 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 a guy like LeBron James, for example, goes and plays over there, how do we what do we think about the NBA then? If if, you know, the whole lore of the NBA is that we have the best talent in the world in this one league, if all of a sudden the best talent in the world starts to go all over the globe. I think it would be good for the sport of basketball globally, but for us in America and for the NBA, it would be a huge, I think, huge detriment to the product. 
You guys are taking an interesting angle on this. I don't see, I mean, in theory, just first off, we're we're talking about a lot of sports watching here, and I I need to throw that term out there to be completely transparent. Um, the, The commission fund that Saudi Arabia has to invest in sports is multiple billion, all right? So this Mbappe sign was nothing to them. It was chump change. Um... But I don't see it as them starting their own league. Again, they could. They could do whatever they want with all that money. I just think that in some way, form, or fashion, they're going to get into the league, whether that's ownership, um, because ultimately the bottom line is money talks. And if they want to come into the table and they want to join this exclusive club of only 30 dudes being an owner in a sports league, um, I just think that they're going to do it. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's other ways that some of that money gets inside the league to to bump up the salary cap and bump up this, that, and third and kind of be a huge influx of cash. Come on now, it's 2023. Like, you don't think people, would? they're going to take influxes of cash at any point, let alone the amount of money that they're doing in this day and age. By the way, did you see what's happening with ESPN, the, the, the worldwide leader? They are going to be taking investment from the professional league. They are going to be I mean, at, or at least uh, beginning the conversations with the NBA, the NFL, the NHL. So they're going to go from being, um, you know, league partners, broadcasting partners, to actually these leagues will have a ownership stake. I don't know what their journalism will look like at that point. Again, it's always been a very slippery slope when, uh, let's just, you know, again, take for example, and this has not been confirmed, the Jeff Van Gundy move. Again, you know, generally uh, viewed as the best color commentator in basketball. Uh, there was a feeling for quite some time that the league was maybe not fond of his criticism of the officiating, of maybe the, the league as a whole. He gets fired. There's a lot of people who felt that the league maybe had something to do with that. Now the league, if, if it has an ownership stake, what does that mean for the future of the company? Adrian, I think you had a good uh, good reaction there. I mean, I, to be perfectly honest, it's a joke. I should also add that Disney as a whole is kind of pondering the idea of selling off all their networks, whether that's ABC, ESPN, FX, Hulu, all these different things, selling it off because it's just too much of an investment and the television is changing and it's going to streaming. Yeah. Um but, but when it comes specifically to ESPN and some of these leagues investing into ESPN and or being owners or whatever the case may be, like, it's weird in one sense that it's like they're already dictating whatever the hell that they want. You know what I'm I saying? Know. I remember when ESPN had Playmakers yeah. and the NFL was like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's too, <laughs> that's too, too close to what's really going on. Yeah. Cancel this show. Uh, the concussion uh, documentary series that PBS did that ESPN was involved. So when yeah. it gets too real, you know what I'm saying? When it gets too real, there are certain times where they, they force people to, to push back. I remember Dan Lebitard interviewed uh, Rob Manfred. And that was a big deal. And the MLB was pissed off after that interview. Like, yo, you came at us with actual, tangible, non-disrespectful answers that were difficult, difficult questions, I should say. And they kind of got upset. And they'll, at the end of the day, ESPN is a 24-7 network to promote the next game that they're going to play. That's the business that they're in. And this is just a step further to it. You bring up the journalism um, ethics, and they came out with a fantastic uh, Don Van Nata 
um, and another gentleman who escapes my mind. They came Seth out with Wickersham. The, the e- yeah, and Seth Wickersham about the, the Gruden emails and the whole commander situation versus the league and all that. So they have their glimpses and, and no disrespect to their journalism arm, but it's dwindled a lot. And again, it seems like, Arash, you might care. I care. Armand, you might care. I just don't know how many people actually give a bleep about yeah. stuff like this, and it's sad um, because the dynamics have changed, and let's just put two dudes arguing for 30 minutes about the same uh, Dak Prescott discussion. Yeah, I mean, so that's the question that I have. The great journalism that Don Van Nada and Seth Wickersham have done really uh, just – they have their, their, their finger on the pulse of the league so well, the National Football League, what the owners are talking about. Um, does that exist if the National Football League like owns a piece of ESPN? I, I don't know. And if ESPN's not um, paying for that journalism, again, this is a, a big part of it. Who's going to pay for that journalism and why is that important? Uh, this doesn't come cheap. Again, a content creation, just generally, that can be cheap. You know, if you want to pay someone uh, not that much to do like aggregation, to do TikToks, to do uh, game recaps, things like that. But to pay like investigative, award-winning, New York Times best-selling journalists to really get into the nitty-gritty of it, that costs money. So who can pay for that? New York Times? Well, their sports department's gone. Maybe the Los Angeles Times? They're devalu- devaluing uh, sports. Maybe ESPN? But then again, if your point, to your point, if they're basically going to say, hey, listen, we're going get, to get away from the hard-hitting journalism. Look what they've already done to Bob Lee. Bob Lee's gone. Like, outside the lines is gone. I mean, NFL's done it to its own. They've done it yeah. to its own with the NFL Network. Uh, the African-American gentleman. Jim Trotter. Jim Trotter. Jim Trotter. The best journalist. He would always ask a very hard-hitting question to the commissioner. Cutbacks. The fact that the National Football League has cutbacks. When they're making what they're making, the fact that Jim Trotter gets let go, embarrassing. Yeah, and to, to your point, so like the leagues themselves, if you're working for them, you're on MLB Network, NBA TV, working for Turner, Warner Sports, whatever it's called now, and you kind of get too close, there was pushback already. And that's basically what we're going to see with ESPN, which ESPN was supposed to be. I mean, it was always supposed to be, but it's just those conflicts of interest. It's just one of those things, and it's it's terrible. Um, you know, I spent a lot of a lot of time in the wrestling world or in combat sports in general, where if you say a certain thing at a UFC event, at a WWE event, or, or boxing, because it's the promoters and just this one entity handling the situation with your access, some people don't push the boundaries like they yeah. should. They they're not true to form. And they, because they want to keep that access and then it's like, well, how important is access? Because we're trying to tell something. So it's just, it's one of those, it's, it's truly interesting. And I hope people are interested in that. And it's not just some nerdy stuff that we're into because we care too much. Harmony Buckets real quick, because you went to journalism school, you went to Northwestern, you went, went, went to one of the finest journalism school last two minutes here. Do you care? Do your peers care? Um, I, if I was going to be fully transparent, I would be more on the side of, you know, I I think it definitely is a negative impact on the profession as a whole. To me, I feel like I'm more in the Gen Z category of like kind of in one ear, out the other 
although I know that that's not how it necessarily should be. Um, yeah, these stories, as you guys are, are, are talking about what's happening, a lot of it is not stuff that I'm typically researching on my own. So when I hear about it from you guys, it's, it's kind of alarming that, you know, I think the general consensus, we don't even know what's happening behind the scenes of these leagues and how, how they're being covered. Yeah, I mean, what, what you don't want to have happen is basically a press conference room. And to Adrian's point, some of this has happened with the UFC and WWE press conferences where it's just a bunch of people who are um, supporters or fans or whatnot, and they're not asking the hard-hitting questions. You do need to get people in that room who do ask those questions. And what helps is if the person has the credibility of being with New York Times, LA Times, um, ESPN, whatnot, because it's going to be very hard to deny that person a credential, right? So the future of sports journalism, and we've been talking about this on the show for uh, the past couple of weeks now, is in a very precarious position, and it will continue to be as such. And we'll, uh, we'll That's why we're it. here. Exactly. All right. Let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we will be joined by the Sporting Tribune's Grant Moda to talk about the NBA, the Clippers, the Dodgers, and all that and more when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, The Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii. Call our hotline, 310-400-0340. All right, let's go out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline and join our good friend from the Sporting Tribune, Grant Mona. Grant, how are you? Doing good, doing well. Uh, yesterday we had a lot of bombshell reports in the morning, and that was pretty crazy. But, um, yeah, it's good to be here. Good to be back. Good to have you on a Wednesday here. Uh, listen, just uh, generally speaking, when you look at some of these Supermax contracts, and again, these are dictated by the CBA, so it's kind of like who's up, who can sign that contract. No one's saying that Jalen Brown is the greatest player in league history. Uh, but Tuesday we uh, found out that he had signed a Supermax deal, five years, $304 million dollars. Your thoughts on that and kind of, you know, again, it's a contract that the Celtics have to give. It's a contract that Jalen Brown, because of where he kind of fit in the CBA, that's the contract he got. But your general thoughts on that deal? Yeah, I think think Jalen Brown, you know, there's a lot of talk about him not deserving that contract. But if you look at it from the Celtics perspective, you got to understand that they they had to pay him or else he was going to let be let go anyways. So you got to pay him. I mean, you got to put that second star next to Jason Tatum. There's a lot of talk about, Oh, well he can't dribble left and there are issues. Look, there's turnover issues. There's, there's stuff that he can't do right now. But if you look at the totality of it, if you look at it from a macro, I mean, this guy's an all NBA player. He's an all-star. He's a superstar in this league. He was better than Jason Tatum in that 2022 NBA finals. Jason Tatum is probably going to exceed 
that that contract because he's just a better player in general than than Jalen Brown. But if you're looking at it from if you're gonna nitpick things at this point, they're gonna they had to pay him. They had to give him that money. Um, if you want to keep that quarter, get look, they're 25 and 26 years old. You get the, these two guys for another four or five years. That's a win in my opinion. It doesn't matter what you pay. Um, so I think that it's a good deal for the Celtics. Obviously, down the line, he's going to be paid, what, $70 million almost in, in about another four or five years. So that's not going to look good on the books. But if you're trying to contend right now, if you're trying to play for a title, you got to pay him. And, and they did that, and I think it was the right move. You do have to pay him. My whole issue, we just spent an entire postseason talking about the Phoenix Suns and their lack of depth. Not only that, we talk about the second apron and what's to come and how hard it's going to be to have a good supporting cast. So now when you have Tatum and Brown, we just mock the Suns for doing exactly this. In two or three years, what is that Celtics roster going to look like? It's going to be Tatum, Brown, maybe Porzingis, maybe a Derek White, and then it's going to be very hard to avoid that second apron. And then are you really competing when you want those two guys in the prime of their careers at 28, 29, 30, <clears throat> it's going to be almost impossible, in my opinion, to have a really, really good supporting cast. I, I get it. You, you do have to give them the money, and you do have to. We keep just your talked star about players. this. <laughs> we just talked about this, though. He got the slot. There, it, it's not like there's a, every team has the slot two two slots or three actually technically. He got the 30% slot max contract. There's one that's 35, there's one that's 30, and there's one that's lower. And it's only homegrown. Like, this is the, this is one of the rare instances. Now, seven years in the league, two-time All-Star, uh, second-team All-NBA one time in his career. You know what I'm saying? He also averaged 27 points last year. Like, at a certain point, like, you bring up the Suns, DeAndre Ayton to a certain extent got has gotten what he's gotten because he kind of was the number one, but he was a top pick in the draft and you kind of had to right in a different circumstance, less proven than what we're talking about with Jalen. You know what I'm saying? And if we're at a point in the league that like you're drafting these players and they've proven themselves and they've been great and they've been with your organization and we're not giving them to, we're not giving them what Jalen got. I don't care about the numbers, and I don't care about it being record-breaking. That's going to happen every year. It happens in every year in every sport. We just talked about it earlier. What I'm saying is the principle of a player that has shown up, that has improved every season, still has things that he needs to improve on. He's not perfect. He's yeah. not. I just said his his accolades in, in terms of season awards and achievements. But if we're not giving him that contract, then what are we doing? And also, again, that's a that's a slot that's there. It's not them overextending themselves in terms of now they're not going to have money for the, for the bench and the way that the cap's set up, in my opinion. Because you could argue with Chris Paul, well, Chris Paul's super old and he chokes. He does this. We know this. We have an agenda. You know what I'm saying? Devin Booker was the homegrown. DeAndre Ayton, you weren't comfortable in doing that. You may not be completely comfortable with, with if you're Boston doing what, what you're doing with Jalen, but Chris Paul was the outlier, was the outsider that worked to a certain extent, and they got super close to, to pulling it off. Yeah. But then you have to live with the rest of the deal, how it played out and how it has played out. But I don't think 
it's a one-on-one comparison when you're talking about how Phoenix put together their team and how Boston did it with this move. Yeah, and another thing I, I want to mention real quick is that if you look at Phoenix's offseason, they actually did a pretty damn good job with what they had. You know, they don't have a bad team on paper. They have those three kind of max guys, and they still put a pretty good roster around them considering what they had. I mean, you bring in veterans and obviously guys that aren't, you know, top quality guys that are on the market, but you surround the four guys that they have in Phoenix with a good Ross, a, a good roster. It's not great, but it's better than what I thought they, they, they could do. And if you look at Boston, they only have two guys like that. And I know that one guy's getting paid you know, a ton of money, but there is a pathway to get off of a contract or two and find veteran minimums to fill out the roster to get back to a contender in this Jalen Brown situation. So I don't think it's an end all be all, but you know, if you look at Phoenix, they have a pretty good roster now. And I think the Celtics, they're saying, Look, our title can, our title window is now. We got to win now within the next two to three years. And I don't care what it's going to pay us in five years. We have the ability to win it within the next two or three, and they're going all in for it. So I, I appreciate that at least. Arash, do you think the Celtics win in the next, let's say, four years? No, 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 no. Oh, Listen, wow. They are a, they're a very good team. I don't think they're a championship team. I really don't love a lot of – listen, they, they, they had to change things up, obviously – but as I look at this team going into next season, they didn't have an offseason that leads me to believe that that they drastically improved their chances. I mean, if I were to tell, if I were to say to all three of you, who do you have playing in the finals this upcoming year? Or let's just focus on the Eastern Conference. I'm going to go with Milwaukee, although I always make that mistake of going with Milwaukee. <laughs> um, but I don't love the Celtics. I mean, who do you guys have? I'm going to go first. I'll let you go first. I have Milwaukee as well. Okay. I, I, I think yeah. I think I'll, I'll have Milwaukee too, but Boston with the addition of Kristaps Porzingis, I mean that's a pretty big ad. I know with yeah. his injury concerns, but that's a that's pretty smart. big ad for them. Even though you're losing Marcus Smart. A lot of Milwaukee love for a team that has some serious <laughs> problems. Um no, but they're definitely like I don't I there's there's no one in the Eastern Conference right now that is a surefire like is going to make it. So there's three. It's Miami, Milwaukee, and Boston. You bring up Cleveland, you could bring up New York. Yeah, right. I'll see it when I believe it. Philly um, too. I do uh Philly, I mean we didn't bring We don't up know Philly, what's going on there, yeah. Philly <laughs> Philly would be the fourth outlier that like maybe and I do I, I do need to say something really quick. Um and I need to apologize of something I said on air yesterday. Um, when we were bringing up some of these deals and 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 some of the the way that roster movements happen in the NBA, and I brought up Austin Rivers, who was on a Ringer podcast, um, discussing how James Harden and stuff changed the league, and not only the superstars demanding trades and saying they're not going to play here and things like that, and how that also changed veterans signing mean, m- league minimum deals to play on contenders to win a ring. Shout out to Easy Money Sniper on x i'm just gonna say shout out to easy money sniper on twitter because it'll always be called twitter um he said austin rivers is hilarious because he refused to suit up for the suns when he got traded there and said he wouldn't play until he was traded to a different destination which is exactly what happened so austin rivers if there's someone in the nba who's demanding trades and saying, I'm not going to play for a city. It would be you at the bottom of that totem pole. 
Okay, the fact that it happened is egregious, my guy. So please, be transparent. Two things can be right. I've gone to therapy. Two things can be right. You may be right in what you're saying, but I'm also right in saying you're bugging thinking that you could ever ask for a trade, my guy. You're not that good, and you're not that guy, pal. That's wow, that's a heck of an apology. I don't know if that's really an apology. It's more of a, <laughs> you forgot to include something. It's for the uh, fans. I was apologizing yeah. to our audience. By the way, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. Uh, Grant, when I think of the greatest moment in Austin Rivers' career, I think of game, uh, I think, four of the Western Conference semifinals against Houston. Get that smile on your face. <laughs> hey, what? that was the only time when I was on the Clippers beat when they took a 3-1 series lead on Houston, that I said, I think this team can actually win the, the, the championship. Now, again, people forget. The they champ, were, baby. They were not going to beat Golden State in the Western Conference Finals, but that was the one moment that I'm like, because they beat the Spurs in that classic mm-hmm. Game 7 yeah. again, down 3-2, win in San Antonio, win back in Los Angeles, Chris Paul, Floater, bank shot. On a bad hammy. And I'm like, oh, this team has it, right? Maybe they figure something out. They go on the road. They beat Houston without Chris Paul. Take a 3-1 series lead. And if they didn't choke that blank (sighs) away. But, yeah. You bring up up something super important that I've never asked you on or off the record um, because you brought up being on the Clippers beat. Can we compare um, when it comes to amenities being on the Lakers beat and Clippers beat, like what's the spread looking like? What's the difference? Speaks yeah, for itself, I think. No, 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 no. Listen, uh, so I mean, in terms of spread, food, travel, I mean, that doesn't change. What the biggest difference is, and Grant knows this, um, is that when you're on the Lakers beat, like everyone around town wants to talk about, like what it's like covering the Lakers, how cool that is. When you're on the Clippers beat, and the problem that I had, and a lot of Clippers fans don't like me for this, um, is I was on the Lakers beat before I was on the Clippers beat. So the majority of my fans are still Lakers fans. So whenever I would tweet about the Clippers, it would be a combination of who cares? You're a traitor. You bump <laughs> the bandwagon. The like they, they, they think you're a fan and not like, listen, I was on the Lakers beat. The Clippers made this, this trade for Chris Paul. They're now one of the top five teams in the league. And they really were. I mean, people forget they were never – unfortunately for them, one of the top four, but they were always the fifth best team. So I don't know what that means, but they never got during my time covering them. They never got to the conference finals, but they were always one of the top five teams. They were basically five. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what it means. It means that there's a lot of crushed hopes and dreams. That's what it means. That's That's all it is. To be honest, like I wanted them to do well, because again, what you hope for when you are on a beat is that you, you, you're not cheering, right? Because you're not supposed to cheer. But it is good for me professionally if Damn I get right. to cover the Western Conference Finals. It's good for me professionally if I cover the finals. What does that mean? More Sports Center hits for me, more like ESPN.com top stories for me. So the better that the team did, the better oh, I did personally. Arash, you're bringing me back. Freddie Coleman and Arash Markazi on ESPN oh, Radio. Yeah. Um, but real quick, because we need to, we need to make sure that we have this on the record. So, like when it comes to snacks, the level and quality of snacks on both beats change. at the Staples was the same. It's the same. It's the same company that that does it. So exactly. same pregame snacks, same everything. Um, none of that really changed. I'm trying to think if there were if there was any 
big differences. Obviously, you know, when it's how a about, home game, they, they do certain things different, but yeah. How about this? Um, as we... <laughs> Oh boy! Okay, okay, what are we, we talking about? So look, uh, media day. Sometimes with certain events, for instance, WNBA All Star Game, when you go to pick up your credential, um, they might give you like a swag bag or a mm. cool lanyard. Or a, the WNBA this year was an incredible, incredible WNBA bucket hat that I might sell if I reach financial troubles. But we're okay right now. <laughs> so I say all that to ask you. Um, when it came to like media day, obviously the Lakers for most part are going to be more hectic and stuff, but the swag bags or what they gave you, who's giving out a better gift? There's really no swag bag for media day. What there was, was food and, uh, by the Clippers facility, they opened up a Chick-fil-A. So they would normally have their practices. Okay. That's a a point. Yeah. So Chick-fil-A, um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess from the food standpoint, once that Chick-fil-A um, opened next to the Cooper's practice facility. <laughs> the game was so, over. Yeah. <laughs> it was the LeBron signing. But here's, game. here's what, I've, what, I've, what I've told people about the Clippers beat, and I mean this, I mean, it, it's not a criticism because I enjoyed it being on the beat. You're in Los Angeles. You're covering one of the top five teams in the league. But it was like from a media standpoint covering a small market team, you know, because uh, people know what does the uh, traffic. People know what the number one team in Los Angeles is. So even when the Clippers were having their amazing run, um, it would be me, you know, the beat reporter for the Times, the, the Daily News. Maybe one TV station would come out, you know, like it wouldn't be like the Lakers. A young Joey Lynn just in the stands. Ooh, with the well, Blake Joey, Griffin jersey. Joey Lynn at that point was, uh, was a, yeah, in the stands. Farbot at that point was a uh, working for the Clippers, but he was putting, you know, the uh, T-shirts on the seats and stuff like that. So it was nice. the glory days. I mean, and now yeah. I really do love it, you know, seeing um, – I mean, again, no one loves the Clippers more, and I can say it because it's true. I mean – Harbaugh and Joey, I think, would have tears in their eyes. And I mean this with, with Grant, I'm assuming, if the Clippers go on this amazing run and, and win the whole thing. And I love it that guys like that get to cover the team. Because what it is, and Grant will attest to this, nobody is harder on them when they're losing <laughs> or making bad rotations than Grant Mona and Joey Lynn and Harbaugh. Is that right, Grant? Oh, that's absolutely right. And I was going to say, there were tears shed on my end. I went to the 2021 conference semifinals okay. when they beat the Jazz to get to their first conference finals ever. And that was, I mean, I had tears in my eyes. I Because I, I, you know, you go through so many years of, of losing in that second round. And then you finally, and to do it on your home floor with the first full crowd since COVID, um, it was just like a, this, this, this great thing that happened. And, you know, like, like you said, it's great for people like me and Joey Lynn and Farbaugh and these people that are very close to the team that really love the team and the players and the organization to like see something like that. And that's what brought me to, to tears. But I, I don't know what would happen if they won a championship. I, I don't even know. Well, I can't even to, think about that. I can't even think to, about we, that. We yeah, I don't think we have to work. <laughs> you, first off, what you just said, that it was beautiful, is beautiful. Also, great black male. Um, so I'm going to have that. We're going to have that on YouTube forever. But you guys bring yeah. up this. And, and sorry, dog days of summer here. Uh, go on the Adrian roller coaster with me, everyone. Uh, let's continue it. You bring up Clippers and people that love the Clippers. Um, or Ash, I think this is very important before we get out of here. Um, so your interactions with Clipper Daryl have been what? 
So Cooper Darrell was a very interesting figure. I mean, I had known him from like his really his first year there uh, because I wasn't on the Clippers beat back in the day. But uh, you know, the first time I, I saw Clipper Darrell, it was Quentin Richardson, it was Darius Miles, it was Elton Brand, and that was like a really big. I was like, holy, uh, you know, this guy's like a Clippers fan, like Clippers fanatic. Who's he? Um, <laughs> Uh, I'll let Grant chime in on this. I mean, there's a love-hate relationship with him. He's always been great to me. He's showing up to parties I've had. I don't know how he finds out about them. He's very (laughs) nice. I like him. Um, There was this really unfortunate incident where, I don't know, Grant, he got knocked out by a security guard, and a a lot of, there was a contingent of Clipper fans who loved it. Grant, you can chime in on that. I like Clipper Daryl, but I will let you chime in on that. I think I think the reason was I th- I can't remember exactly because there's a lot going on in my life at this point. But it, like when <laughs> in that Lob City run, or I think it was when the Clippers started to decline a little bit after they traded Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan and Chris Paul. There was a point where the Lakers were starting to get better. They got you know Lonzo Ball and they got LeBron and the Clippers were kind of taking. And I think I I can't remember exactly, but I think Clipper Daryl sided with the Lakers or like started to cheer on the Lakers at that point when they got LeBron. So I think that's where Clipper fans got the disdain and got that kind of stain on his his image. But when they got Kawhi and Paul George, obviously he came back and was <laughs> one of those big super fans. So look, I've I've always loved him. It, it's look, Clipper fans will take any super fan at this point. We need, need anything they can get. So I, I have respect for him. And that situation that happened at, at the beginning of the year is just so odd. I don't know yes. why a security. Here's what happened: the security guard punched him and knocked him out. And apparently, I don't know. There's a little you know, talk back and forth. I don't know what happened, but he, he was at the games a couple months later. So I guess it that was, that would resolved. never happen if Elton brand was still on the roster. <laughs> anyway, anyway, there was also this uh, one incident where, uh, you know, the Clippers for a while there did pay for his ticket. And I, for, and I, so what, what, what had happened was uh Clipper Darrell had begun to kind of, um, you know, if you wanted him at your uh, party or your birthday party or bar mitzvah or whatever, I think you could pay for it. And the Clippers had, like, an issue with it for a while, so they withheld tickets. He made it public. And then it's hard for a fan to be like, wait, this guy's getting his tickets for free, but I have to pay for it. There's, there's been a few things that Clipper Daryl has done that has rubbed some fans the wrong way. I love him. I think he's a great guy. We'll have him on the show. Uh, we did have him on the show once they got to the Western Conference <laughs> Finals. So, uh why the heck not? Listen, all right. This is, once again, these are the dog days of summer. At least we're not talking about your top five greatest, uh, you know, tailbacks and quarterbacks, which I just saw <laughs> the four-letter do today. But anyways, all right. Barry Sanders for sure. Yeah, anyway. exactly. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Warkazi saying stay safe, stay healthy. <laughs> This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.